This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by The Nephilist. I'm Ian Turner and my guest this week is Dan Chisholm. But first, if you enjoy today's show, I'd love for you to subscribe. Head to gardenofsound.nz and right there on the front page are a host of subscription links to your favourite podcast providers. And over on the podcast page, you'll find over 160 Garden of Sound shows from the past four years celebrating the music of Canterbury and further afield. Today, that field encompasses Napier, Melbourne and Christchurch, where one Dan Chisholm, LLBBA, discovered a love of drums, then moving to Australia found fame with pop rock outfit Bonja. The rest is musical history. Dan's currently practising law in Christchurch with a focus on music and entertainment, but he's also picked up sticks for vaults, showing you can have your case and drum it too. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Dan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. Dan, is there a moment when you realised there was a thing such as music? Yeah, yeah, there was. When I was um, growing up in, in Napier, a place in the North Island... <laughs> I am familiar with Napier. Yeah, yeah, good place. I wish I was back there, actually. Oh, really? Sometime. No, well... Just what don't you like about Christchurch? Um, uh, Be honest. Uh, so I'm not going to hold you to oh, it. No, it's, it's, it's all right here in Christchurch, but I just... Um, Napier's got a really nice vibe. And I tell you what, they do style incredibly well in Napier. Mm-hmm. You know, and in Hawke's Bay in general. Because of the Art Deco thing. Well, not just because of that, just because they've got a really good feel. Not that we don't do style here in Christchurch, but... Um, Broken, I think, is the, yeah, yeah. the feel. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Tell me about Napier. Tell me about growing up in music in Napier oh, as, a, um, as a kid. Well, the thing that I remember is um, like when I um, went to Napier Intermediate, so I would have been, what, 11 years old. Yep. You know how you're forced to do like um, singing and things like that? Yeah. Gunpoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we did this thing on a Wednesday called Hall Singing. Can you imagine what that was? It was um, singing in a hall, hence Hall Singing. Hall Singing, yep. yep. Lots of kids. How many kids? I, I think there was about 500 in the school, but um, we used to break it into, um, into teams, like <laughs> 250 kids at a time. Yep. And so the music teacher, she would play the piano to to the songs that we were singing to. And yeah, I wasn't interested in that. But um, there was um, there was two drummers that, mm. that were older than me. They were they were form two, and okay. I was form one at the yep, time. Yep. Whatever that is in the current what's that year? Uh, year seven and eight. Year there seven and eight. Okay, so I was I was year I was year seven at the time. Okay. So we did hall singing. <laughs> Two drummers and a pianist. Two drummers. 250 kids. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. take it on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it wasn't two drummers at the same time. Okay. It was like two guys that alternated. No idea. Actually, I do remember their names, Gareth and Jeffrey. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So they would play along to the um, piano and all the kids would sing. Yeah. But these guys on drums were crazy good. Yeah. 
as in they probably weren't that great, but to me, yep, they were amazing. Had you had any um, drumming tuition at that point? No. Okay. No. So is that what sort of compelled you? Well, yeah. I, I, thinking about it now, and I have not really thought about this since the early nineties, but I think Gareth and Jeffrey, yep, were responsible for for my interest in in music and mm. specifically drumming. What sort of popular music was in your ears? At that point, because I imagine Hall mm-hmm. singing wasn't sort of coming out with the, mm-hmm. uh, the big hits of the day. No, no. Um, so in those times, what was becoming really popular was grunge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Pearl Jam, Smashing okay. Pumpkins. May I ask how old you are? Now? Yeah. 40. 40? Yeah. Okay. Just doing the maths. Mm-hmm. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So this would have been 93, 94. Okay. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So Pearl Jam... Smashing Pumpkins. Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots. Green Day. Yep. Nirvana. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I, I, I was never hugely into the grunge stuff. Yep. It was a bit aggressive for me. If it wasn't the aggressive grunge, yeah. then what was more to your liking? Pop, rock, yep. reggae, funk. Yep. Anything with a decent groove that yep. isn't too sort of thrashy mm-hmm. and grungy and Lenny distortion-y. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about home. Was there any um, music there? Were mum and dad musical? No, no, they weren't. Um, just just being around heaps of um, musos back at primary school, I guess. Okay. And and I had some really um, quite unique drum teachers in Hawke's Bay mm-hmm. that um, drummers are a weird breed, you know, like yeah. they're, they can be quite sort of um, just, just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had um, drum teachers growing up that I'm still in touch with in a way mm. because they're on Facebook. Yeah. Th- they definitely inspired me with their enthusiasm. Yeah. Just, just quite. Um, uh, what's the word for um, just really loud and strange, but passionate as well. Mm. You know? Bands at high school. Yeah, I was in bands at high school. Did the um, Rock Quest thing. Yep. Bands all through uni. Um, when I was in my final year of uni, I met the Bonja guys. Yep. And um, they were going to go to Melbourne to, to play music professionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a jam with them, quite yep. sort of an impromptu jam. Yeah. Um, moved my drums into Regan, the guitarist's house. Uh-huh. From there, I just decided to give the law thing a crack for a while and then go and beat things for a living. Tell me about that decision-making process. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of led you to become, I guess, less than excited about your well, career in law? If the option is yep. go play the drums or sit in an office and, and look at documents... I mean, what, what would you do? Oh, yeah. Two avenues, two, it, two paths. It, was it like a cake or death kind of yeah, situation? Yeah, yeah, really. yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But strangely now, like, because I'm older, yeah, uh, I actually get excited by sitting in an office looking at documents and contracts and drafting contracts. But it's probably it's that weird, age it? and perspective and yeah. you know that it's part of a bigger thing that you're doing. It's yeah. not about the document. It's about changing someone's life. Yeah, that's right. Potentially. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so Bonja. Bonja exists and you are based out of where? Melbourne. 
Okay. Mm. But prior in New Zealand, was it? Tauranga. Tauranga. There you go. Um, and then the decision, like many Kiwis, is like, enough New Zealand. Let's mm. go over the ditch and try it in a, in a, in a decent market. Yeah, was there anything yeah. established for you over there specifically, or were you just following your hearts? No, nah, yeah, we really were following our hearts. In fact, we're pretty naive. I don't think we actually knew anyone over in Melbourne. Yeah. And we just figured we'd get over to Melbourne and the people would go, oh, you guys are banned. Oh, yeah, sweet, play at our place, play at our club. You know, we'll, we'll pay heaps of money. And so we, we had a banned rule that we weren't allowed to get jobs. Um, so because we, we didn't want to be doing the whole... Um, well, can you make this gig? Oh, no, I can't make it tonight because okay, fair enough, yeah. I'm working, you know. How much cash did you guys have? Not a lot, oh. yeah. We, we were really on the bones of our ass, yeah. and um, went into town, saw some people busking, so we were like, well, why don't we just start busking? And so we were like professional buskers for ages. Like, that's what we did mm. during our day. Yeah. You know, we'd play gigs at night, and then we'd, get up at probably about 10.30 mm-hmm. and um, head into town yep. and just play in the city. Do you need a permit or can you just sort of pull yeah, up to any patch? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, we, we needed to play live in front of two members of the council Okay. because they wanted to see um, how loud we we're going to yep. be and how um, whether we were going to be a good fit for the city. Yeah. So we almost had to trial the busking in front of the council. Okay. And we, we had to go to weekly busking meetings um, with all the other buskers in, yep. in Melbourne. Surely that would have been good for connections. No, it was like going to anger management. Really. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because okay. everyone was arguing over the the prime spots. You know, there were certain spots where there was a lot of traffic. And you know, a lot of us were really relying on that. Income, yeah. Yep. You know. Yep. Absolutely. So we, we we needed it to eat. What's the what's the big lesson from the busking? What did you learn? What did you benefit from that experience? Definitely, the band benefited hugely from a playing perspective. Yep. Like it taught us how to play together. Tight. Uh, yeah, tight. Yeah. Because we had to sort of kill a bit more time throughout the songs yep. we learnt how to jam out in the middle of songs we yep. learnt how to um, slow them down and just sort of play songs to a different vibe yeah. but it actually got us gigs as well because we would be um, playing to smaller crowds as well as bigger crowds yep. so the busking side of things teaches you how to play in, in the corner of a room at it, with a very stripped down setup, like I, I mean, I, like I see a lot of bands playing now where they've kind of got one sound, um, and and one volume, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So they wouldn't be able to play in the corner of a restaurant somewhere while mm. people are eating. Yeah, that really helped. It got us gigs. I'm going to come back to your yep. performance experience. Yes. Uh, we're going to hear some music now. And I do ask about influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we say we weren't really into the grunge mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but anything mm-hmm. with a bit of bit of a beat or mm-hmm. vibe at least. And you've chosen something by the police. Yeah. What are we going to hear? This is Walking on the Moon. However, it is the live version back in 1979 in mm-hmm. Boston. Fan of Stuart Copeland, I imagine? Yeah, just a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Why is he so great? 
he is just the the king of feel on the drums and he came up with something that was just totally unique like Stuart Copeland was the first guy to play like Stuart Copeland okay <laughs> now everyone's trying to play like Stuart Copeland okay and John Bonham but you know it's a whole nother thing okay mm. walking on the moon live the police this is from my new record it's called walking on the moon feel like it.
This is the Gardener Sound interview with Jan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. You were born and bred in the North Island. Yeah. Um, what was the first gig of note? Uh, it was actually in, in the South Island in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Um, she had. Ah, yeah. okay. Supported by Salmonella Dub. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. To be honest, I can't even remember where the... Year was nineties, uh, early nineties. Was this a all ages thing, or did you? Actually, it must have been because I would have been about young, sixteen. So, uh, two amazing stalwarts of the New Zealand music scene. Yeah, but quintessentially that, New Zealand in their own way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back then, they they weren't as well known. You yep. know, like they were. Um, Salmonella Dub for sure w- was not a huge band at the time. It was more like, oh, yeah, I've kind of heard of these guys, but shit, they're pretty good. What did you, um, what were your lasting impressions? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It, it was um, my first sort of gig experience, so I didn't really know what to do. Like, do you dance? Do you, um, do you stand there? And yeah. So I was, I was right up the front because I found that you could lean on the fence part. If you had a choice between David Deacons or Tom Larkin, if you j- just had to take one with you, yeah, give the parachute to them. Horrible question. Um, I I know Tom Larkham, and he's a weapon. I'd actually go the other guy though. You go Dave, purely because I like that style. Yep. You know, I feel it. Um, yep. But they're both weapons. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I guess consistency is part of that. Um, mm. How many gigs do you reckon you played with Bonja? Thousands. Not, not counting your, your daytime sojourns <laughs> down Little Collins or wherever it was. Thousands. I don't know. Um, we never counted them. But, we, I mean, we did it for a, as, a, as a job for, I would say, seven years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, yeah, more than, more than we could count. Tell me about being discovered, at least, or getting that, that first contract. Yeah, I, I do recall uh, a guy offering us a record deal. Um, this was back in 2007, and we'd been in Oz for about a year. And he, he came up to us in the um, while we were busking. He bought five CDs, which, you know, for us, that was huge. a lot of money. It was yeah. huge money. Yeah. Then he, he, he was very suave. He had a French accent. And was, in fact, from France. Wow. Yeah. And um, he said, oh, yeah, um, can you meet us at this place? And um, it was a recording studio. He said, oh, can you play some songs for us? And then, um, so we met him at a recording studio, played some songs, and then he said, oh, can you meet me at this hotel um, tomorrow? So we all turned up, and he shouted us bows, and again, he's very well-dressed. And he said, oh, I'd like to offer you guys a record deal. And we're really excited because this was, you know, he was he was talking, um, you know, he mentioned a few figures and that got us pretty excited. And then we didn't hear from him for about two years. <laughs> and, um, but this guy seemed legit. Yep. Right, he seemed legit. And we're like, that is just bizarre. That is bizarre. I won't say his name because I still remember his name. But a few years later, we saw a documentary that just popped up on TV about how he had um, conned a lot of people and eventually gone to prison. But it talked about his record label and 
that's I guess what's the term I'm looking for? Um, um, a lucky fraud? miss or a yeah, something, oh, yeah, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, um, yeah crazy. I guess we're in the uh, the days where you're not doing your you're not able to easily do your research on no uh, foreign no nationals. no 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 no. no. Okay. Um, it was before the um, obviously the the internet on iPhones. So it wasn't before the internet. But it was before the internet on what phones. was what was your brain saying at this point? Feeling pretty pretty good about that. You but didn't have your spider sense to a, right? a little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um still you kind of think, Well, this this could be it. Okay. This this is it. When was the first legitimate offer? I guess that w- would have been when we were um had our first publishing agreement, okay. or our first and only publishing agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of record deals and stuff, we always um, were pretty keen to stay independent. Yep. So we, we, we you know, had a bunch of distributors and stuff, but but we always wanted to maintain the control over our music. Yeah. But I mean, like when it, when you're early days in a career, you're more inclined to do um, things like jump into a record deal with a Frenchman. We're going to hear a little bit more music because yeah. I am keen uh, in a later section of the show to talk about uh, music, entertainment, law, yeah. as well as um, some of the stuff that you guys have put out as Bonja. Um, so at this point in time, uh, we're going to go to one of your all-time faves, and it's by the Beatles. Yeah. So what what track are we going to what track are we going to hear? Come together. Okay. And I standard why this song? It's just got a really great vibe to it it is a badass track the drumming's awesome it's just got a great groove to it mm. <laughs> that's there it you really go. sorry do, I, I don't really need to say anymore everyone loves this track cool Beatles this is come together <laughs>
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Dan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. Um, Dan, at the end of this, we're going to be playing a Bonja track. Uh, Good choice. Called... Good choice. Okay, cool. Cool. Go, go, chaos. What was the high point of Bonja? What's the thing that sort of stands out where you go, yeah? It would have to be supporting the Who. Mm. Okay. Who was making up the Who at that point? Obviously, Rog and Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was on bass? Uh, Pino Palladino. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And um, so we've just heard the Beatles, right? Yeah. Uh, on drums, Zach Starkey. Okay. And he is the best rock drummer I've ever seen. Live. Yeah. 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 No exaggeration. Okay. He's just one of those guys that looked really cool when he played. Yep. And um, he was outstanding. The whole band was awesome. Yep. You can't really top that. Yeah. And we had a great night too. We had a few drinks. Yep. And um, yeah, the Counting Crows was supporting them. You know, we all listened to in the 90s. Yes. Uh, the song we're going to hear is off your mm. second yes. album, yeah, is yeah. it? Yep. So tell me about the difference um, in the, at least the creation, uh, whether that's the, the writing of the songs um, yeah. and the recording of between your first and second albums. What, yeah, yeah. What changed? Heaps changed. So for the first album, we had um, we were really into John Butler Trio and Ben Harper and okay. all the the roots reggae funk kind yep. of sound. Yep. Um, and we're also pretty. I, I think for the first album, probably a little bit overproduced. Mm. We're trying a little bit too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for the second album, we were um, not really trying to. We we just wanted to um, record music that we liked mm. and um so the whole album's pretty uh it's it's not like an up-tempo album yep. it's not trying to be commercial at all mm. um and we we just jammed songs out and then recorded them rather than um having big writing sessions where we over analyzed the songs and recorded them a bunch of times mm. to clip tracks and yep. then overdubbed heaps of stuff on top of that and so yeah you make it sound like hard work yeah 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 it doesn't need to be though okay it doesn't need to be so um yeah this second album was our best album and um we had a producer that really just um he did his job who was that uh a guy steven shram okay yeah but he he, familiar or well known yeah yeah he, he was yeah I just can't think right now who else he produced, but he was a great producer. Mm. But he wouldn't interfere okay. with um, recording. Like he wouldn't go, hey guys, what about this? What about that? He'd just, if something worked, he would just sit there and smoke. Yep. And record. Okay. And he made us play all together in one room rather yep. than record the drums first and then the bass and guitar and all that. Which yeah. I, I mean, I. Yeah, it didn't work for us. Yeah, dug that vibe. Yeah, um, yeah. What was the low point of the band? There was a number of low points. Probably just, um, I do remember when we were just not right on the bones of our ass and had zero money. I remember being in Sydney and it was pissing down with rain and we had nowhere to stay. And we were on tour with another band, but we'd run out of money because we didn't get paid enough. And I remember just sitting there, just being starving, and we couldn't afford food. This is all sounding so depressing. It got better. Yeah. Now we're all 
you know, multi-millionaires. Of course. Driving <laughs> limousines and diamond rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that kind exactly. of Exactly, exactly. Um, You'll did, see my limo. I know. It, it, yeah, yeah it's a beautiful it's thing. It's beautiful, um, isn't it? Did you... Um, the driver's waiting, though, so we get a... Exactly, you better, better <laughs> shift the interview. Did you... Um, uh, did you end up at a shelter or taking out food? No, we slept night? in the car. Okay, yeah. all right. At least you yeah. had a car. There, there was another time as well. We played on a um, ski field. Yeah. And again, we had no money. We turned up to the ski field in jeans and T-shirts. And we parked our van on the top of the mountain. And when we played the gig, we left the lodge. And the van was... Um, it had disappeared. It had been buried under the snow. So we got stuck on this mountain with a, a buried van for like four days. We just had to sleep in this lodge and beg for food. Uh, so so we ended up hitchhiking back with a snowboarder that felt sorry for us. And left, we left the van there. So what did you learn from these experiences? Never play on a ski field. Okay. Yeah. And I, I haven't since. I've, I haven't even been. I've been nowhere near a mountain hmm. since. Yeah. And it doesn't appeal to me. I mean, mates, mates will say, "Oh, do you want to go up skiing and all yeah. that?" And I'm like, nah. "No, I'm good, thanks. Nah. No, no, nah. not definitely it. not." What's your favourite part of uh, Go Go Chaos? I just it just brings back really good memories. Like I, I feel like I'm there in the studio. It was just yeah. a really good time in our lives and. Um, just brings back all those memories as music tends to do you yeah. know yeah 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 i try not to listen to it very often because i sort of i still want to have that that feeling of when yep. i do listen to it i'm like you know transported i need it yeah. i need that hit okay being <laughs> yeah going back in time
never gonna run from you now There's This is the Gardener Sound interview with Dan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. Um, now, your day job um, mm. when you're not playing drums for the um, uh, New Zealand band Vaults mm. um, is a music and entertainment lawyer. Correct, Dan. Yes. Excellent. Very good. Um, you'll do very well in the in the quiz, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, who needs a music and entertainment lawyer? Musos, okay. artists, yep. songwriters, why is, managers, Why is that? Is there, are there unscrupulous people out there who are trying to just, you know, cash in on your talent? Is that? Isn't that crazy yeah. to think that there would be people out there like that? Yeah, French or otherwise. Yeah. Nothing yeah. against the French. You were listening. You I were was. Listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy. What's the, um, what's the most common query that, that you get? Probably, what does this mean? Okay. And then... I'll get a contract thrown in mm. front of me. Is law too hard to understand so only smart, well-paid people can do it? Yeah. Okay. That's that's the answer. Somewhat flippant, I guess, from me. Um, do you make any attempt in the documents that you draft, at least, to make them easy to yeah, understand yeah yeah definitely and that's yeah. a good point yeah I, I tend to like to uh draft in plain english mm. rather than yep uh all these we call them legalese legalese yeah. yes yep um so you, you have contracts that punters are still drafting these days that yep. have all these boring archaic um, here to four oh and here with here with Bearing even date herewith. Okay. Modern contracts should be uh, okay. actually un- understandable. Yep. 
tell me about the um, uh, the worst case of someone getting the thin end of the wedge. I mean, like I, I have uh, seen a lot of contracts where um, they haven't been particularly fair, mm. um, and where uh, musos have signed up to something where they haven't fully understood the contract. They've got their legal advice from the person that they're signing with yeah and maybe some professional um advice from their neighbor who's a gardener Mm. or a builder Mm. there's a there's a bunch of unfair agreements out there where artists have been signed into um i guess contracts that they can't get out of yep but they've chosen to sort of proceed forward without um I guess being responsible with their their um, their music and their IP. I imagine that you've studied for a decent enough amount of time, and considerable expense has gone into that study, mm. and uh, you are in a position which I imagine uh, pays a decent amount. Thus, you should be um, recompensed. Appropriately, mm. here to fall with. Yeah. Um, for your, <laughs> what are you talking for about? For your then? efforts. So, where I'm yeah. getting at is um, lawyers are expensive. Yeah, yeah. Is that why people yeah. don't come along and chat to Oh, me? yeah, for sure. For yep. sure. Uh, I can understand that. Plus, that they might have got their advice from the wrong people. Okay. Um, like, uh, it happens a lot where, let's say I'm a record label. I don't necessarily want you to receive independent legal advice. So no. I, might, I might say to you guys, and, and not saying that labels don't believe this, but yeah. they'll, they'll go, well, here's our, here's our record deal here. Um, it's really fair. We're, we're not out to um, shaft you or anything like yep. that. Yep. Um, so here it is. Get independent advice if you want. But, you know, this is our standard contract that, everyone signs up to mm. and um you know a lot of these artists it's sort of it's um it's exciting to be presented with a big deal yeah yeah you know that might be quite early on in an artist's career so they're young and they sort of go oh wow this is awesome yeah 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 and they don't want to upset anyone yep. by not. um getting independent legal advice so mm. i think that's part of it plus they don't want to be stuck with a massive legal bill like like you just said in but um, um is there any free independent advice for artists in New Zealand yeah yeah there is there's um there's free advice through the NZ music commission yep um and also there there is free advice in the sense that most lawyers if you call them up and say hey so can I just ask a quick question? I'm, I'm sure that they'll be happy to answer it. Yeah. Um, there's also other ways of getting around the whole cost thing with lawyers. Is mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time labels will provide legal advances. Yep. Um, so you do kind of end up paying them back. Yeah. Um, through your royalties, but you just don't have to find the cash to pay your lawyer. Okay. Mm. That's a big thing. We are going to take a short break. Yep. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to play mini quiz. Oh. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Dan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. There's only one way to settle this. 
there is another way. Visit midiquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quizit in your neighborhood really is. Miniquiz.com. Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Dan Chisholm on Plains FM 96.9. I'm going to play mini quiz. You're going to get 10 questions and you'll have 60 seconds to answer those questions. Yep. If you don't know an answer, just pass. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No one's got 10, right. um, mainly because they take too long. Uh, they don't pass fast no, enough. Okay, yeah. uh, lots of people with ones so and twos. So 60 seconds per question? No, no. 60 seconds total, oh, total. and you've got 10 oh, questions. So you try and get through as many as you can. Absolutely. Okay, just go. smash it out. Go. That's what we say. All mm-hmm. right. Dan Chisholm, your time starts now. In which year did New Zealand band OMC release their single How Pass. Bizarre? Tommy Lee... Can I go back? Is best 90 sucks. Tommy Lee <laughs> is best known as a founding member of which band? Motley Crue. What is the nationality of musician Neil Young? Uh, Canadian. What is Sporty Spice's full name? Uh, Melanie Chisholm. Which 1991 film featured the song Everything I Do, I Do It For You? Uh, the Bodyguard. The 1992 Who Loves Who The Most was released by which New Zealand band? The Exponents. In which year was the song Royals released? Uh, 2013. New Zealander Colin Horsley was an internationally acclaimed what? Pass. The Appleton Girls formed part of which pop band? Mm, pass. What was the name of the tribute song that John Denver sang about his wife? Um, pass. You did pretty bloody good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you 1996 because it was yeah. a great. Um, yeah. It was a great answer there. Yes, Motley mm-hmm. Crue, mm-hmm. Um, Canadian. Well done, Melanie Chisholm. I put yeah. that in there just for you. Good. Because yeah. I thought you might know the surname. Yeah. Um, it was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, I knew Brian that. Adams. Ah, there we go. Uh, the exponents, who loves who the most? Yep. Uh, Royals, twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Well done. Um, Colin Horsley was an internationally acclaimed classical pianist. Mm. The Appleton Girls formed part of which pop band? Uh, that was All Saints. Right. Okay. And finally, uh, what was the name of the tribute song that John Denver sang about his wife? It was Annie's song. Oh, here we go. There you go. So we haven't talked at all about vaults. Mm. Um, what's coming up? For you guys, what's the what's the big plan in this world, which is 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 kind of crazy? Uh, let's talk very generally mm-hmm. about um, twenty twenty two. What does Vaults um, ideally want to do? I would say, I mean, look, uh, coming into this, I, I'm definitely uh, the guy that has the least say in the band. Mm. So I just go along with whatever. But I think the intent is to to get a few shows under the belt. Yeah keep writing and yep. um, releasing material and um, that is that is the plan uh, it's hard to make plans with with COVID yeah. at the moment isn't it but um, your most recent uh, release uh, or at least a couple of them have mm. got a bit of airplay yeah, as well yeah, yeah that must yeah. have been a bit exciting yeah yeah yeah, yeah well I mean I, I came into the band at the, the right time so yeah. I, I probably came into you're the in band. the ascendancy yeah, yeah yeah so I came into the band about so I don't know, uh, June, July, somewhere around that yeah, mark. Yeah. And um, the timing was good. Not that I had anything to do with uh, the band succeeding as soon as I joined. Yeah. 
it was just just good timing <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. yeah exactly very yeah. cool yeah. um we're coming to the end of the show mm-hmm. um and we do have time for another all-time favorite mm-hmm. of yours and you've chosen something by um by led zeppelin obviously john bonham yes on the um on the skins as yes. it were yeah. um good times bad times yeah. oh what do you like about this song right in the pocket yep. listen to that bass drum Listen to the the chemistry between the the band members. You're, you're singing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, just really cool vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Dan, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. And great to be on the show. <laughs> show go by without a track from vaults this is in lieu of the new release coming in june it's a little beauty called wolves Down. Yeah. 
Thanks for joining me today on Garden of Sound and thanks to Dan for coming over and chatting about law and music stuff. If you want to find out more about what Dan does for a day job or what he gets up to at night with vaults, then head to gardenofsound.nz and click on his photo on the front page. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound. Until next week, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Ennohorah.